Welcome to Sibling Cinema. I'm Dennis. The Bonnie. And we are here counting down the Oscar winners for Best Picture of the Year from Worst to Best. That's right. We're all the way up to number 21. Wow. We're just on the threshold of the top 20. Mm-hmm. So what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about West Side Story from 1961. Yeah. Uh, so what is your history with West Side Story? I have seen it before, probably more than once. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen it several times, too. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we will get into that. That's the subject of this week's show. But before we get into it, let's take a look at some of the other, or all of the other movies that were nominated. There were four others that okay. lost to West Side Story. Okay. What are the losers? Oh. Fanny, which I don't think anybody remembers. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, movie from 1961 um, uh, with Leslie Caron, who we saw in uh, An American in Paris. Okay. Uh, she was uh, uh, ingenue there. Uh, this oh, is just okay. a kind of a love story that said... Um, is ingenue mean the woman who was trying yeah, to... Yeah, like a young woman. Oh, a young yeah. woman. Okay. She wasn't the matron that was trying to... Oh, no. No. Not the Mentor. cougar. The cougar, yes. <laughs> yeah. Anj- uh, yeah. Anjanu, what does Anjanu mean? Anjanu means like a, a young, kind of like an up-and-coming woman. Okay. A, a, yeah, young, young woman. Okay. On the, uh, uh, like, like a debutante, like uh, on the... Uh, okay, new word today. Yeah. Yeah, so this is uh, a love story set in a French island fishing... Fishing Village Island, and uh, the guy wants to leave and go out on, on his own, uh, make his way in the world, and he has a love interest back home named Fanny, and uh, it's about, you know, should I stay or should I go? Poster for it says it's unforgettable, which I think I would dispute that. Uh, but anyway, so Fanny did get a Best Picture nomination. And, uh, it also says that is is all the love stories of the world rolled into one. Not really. That's what it says. Uh, yeah. Um, I saw Fanny probably about a year or two ago, and I had to look up the plot description because I don't remember anything about it. Wow. The Guns of Navarone was one of the year's biggest hits. This okay. was another, uh, also up for Best Picture. Uh, have you ever seen it? I might have seen it. Yeah, it's a... Um, Action movie set in World War Two, starring Gregory Peck. Uh, it's a mission to destroy these anti um, anti sea craft guns. Okay. Point that are kind of stationed oh, out on uh, the Mediterranean, yeah. and so uh, they're on a mission. He puts together a team to mm-hmm. destroy the guns. Cool. Gregory Peck. Yeah, it's it's a cool movie. One of those, uh, yeah, putting the team together movies. Right. Like, like a bug's life. Uh, Judgment at Nuremberg was, I think you've seen this, right? It's about the... I, yeah, I think I have seen this. The Nazi war crime trials. Yeah. Following the war, Spencer Tracy is, plays uh-huh. the judge and Maximilian Schell plays the, uh, the the defense attorney, really. Uh-huh. Uh, a kind of an all-star cast. Uh, in particular, Judy Garland plays a 
Holocaust survivor who testifies. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, Montgomery Clift, who we saw in From Here to Eternity, is also um, got a lot of acclaim for this is a movie that's after his accident. And he's. Uh, what accident? Uh, he had a really bad um, automobile accident. Really? That, yeah, almost cost him his life um, and kind of struggled with depression and alcohol since then and really aged a lot. I mean, this is only eight years after From Here to Eternity, and he, he looks much older. Yeah, yeah wow. kind of sidelined his career, but he had a bit of a, a comeback here, got a lot of acclaim for this performance. Okay. And finally, we have The Hustler, which is the Pool Shark movie starring a very young Paul Newman, mm-hmm. and uh, he's mentored by Jackie Gleason. And this is oh. a great movie. It kind of centers on a volatile love story where these two are kind of seem destined to destroy each other. It was um, remade, not remade, but the sequel uh, several decades later is The Color of Money, oh, okay. where now Paul Newman's the veteran and Tom Cruise, oh. Paul Newman's the veteran, Tom Cruise plays the young okay. rookie. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Uh, so those are the losers. They all lost to West Side Story. There were um, a few other significant films from 1961 that failed to make oh. the Best Picture lineup. Wow. Breakfast yeah. at Tiff- Tiffany's? Yeah, Breakfast at Tiffany's is one of them. Uh, Splendor in the Grass, another Natalie Wood movie. Uh, okay. Didn't make the cut, but it was a... A big hit at the time, and one that uh, people still revisit. Um, of course, Disney's 101 Dalmatians is, is the third biggest hit of the year, but it's the most profitable if you count in, <coughs> if you uh, count in re-releases yeah. and stuff. It's uh, one of uh, Disney's most popular animated features from this era. It's a good movie. It's really good. I, I think it kind of stands out. It's really the... Uh, only like kind of contemporary one of that oh, era. Okay. Uh, kind of, kind of a crime movie, really. Right. Um, and then there are several uh, foreign language movies that are um, highly acclaimed, which is Yojimbo by Kurosawa in the last year of Marianne Bad. Uh, we've seen all of these, I'm sure. No, you've yeah. not heard of any of these. The Human uh, yeah. Condition. Yeah, the human condition of uh, 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 East Asian film and Viridiana by um, Louis Bunuel, Bunuel, the famous Spanish director. Well, I never heard of him. Yeah, but uh, you know that's that's sixty one. The biggest hit of the year, though, was the subject of this week's podcast, West Side okay. Story. A uh, big hit based on the uh, 1957 Broadway sensation. Okay. Which was obviously based on Romeo and Juliet. Lyrics by Stephen Sondheim and music by Leonard Bernstein. Wow. Uh, Ever one heard of, of the, them? Yeah. Uh, one of the very biggest hits in Broadway history. It's, uh, West Side Story? Yeah, it's really one of the... Uh-huh. Uh, it's remained one of the most popular musicals 
So, I think we're ready to start talking about it. Hey, hey! In the opinion of Esquad, this child is the friend on a county ain't had a normal home. Hey, I'm the brain, Dollar Khan, I'm the bride! So, take him to a head shrinker. You! So, Bonnie, what is West Side Story about? Uh, it's a retelling of Romeo and Juliet, sort of. I yeah. mean, very much yeah. so. So it's a story of New York City, again. Yes. The, mm-hmm. And it's about the Puerto Ricans coming in and they're... Uh, sort of a turf war between Puerto Rican gang mm-hmm. and this gringo gang <laughs> yes. uh, of uh, sort of guys that uh, probably immigrants of various sorts. Um, but Like Italian, Irish. Uh, Italian, yeah. German, uh, whatever. But the, yeah. kind of the down and out and uh white trash (laughs) yeah the jets the the jets and then the puerto ricans are the sharks and anyway and then the central love story is of course Mm -hmm. natalie wood playing maria who is the younger sister of the head of the sharks and then tony who was one of the founders of the jets Who's no longer in the Jets, and anyway, sort of a, a class. It's deals with class struggle, of course, the um, tribalism, mm-hmm. all those things, and then the racism, racism, and all of that, and then of course it's the Romeo and Juliet story. Yes, meet and fall in love almost simultaneously and and there's some I, songs there's some songs and most of the guys die <laughs> yes spoiler alert spoiler alert so what do you make of a side story i mean it's this just a really fun musical i love the i love i don't know if i love it as much as chicago still oh really okay yeah um but I do enjoy this movie quite a bit. For me, the highlight is Rita Moreno. She's so good. As she plays Anita. Anita. Yeah. I love every scene that she's in. She just, like, captures it for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do love the songs, some of the songs more than others. I watched this one, and then I watched the newer one. Okay. Not all of it. I watched up to... Yeah. Oh, I, I didn't finish it, but... What songs don't you like? Well, the one that that doesn't speak to me as much, the one that Tony sings, you know, when he's at work. Or Something's Coming? Something's Coming. That's, oh, that's The nice. ones that I love is uh, America, of course. <laughs> yes. That is so good. That's probably... Oh, I also love the Officer Krupke one. Oh, it's so clever. It's really clever. I That's the only one that I preferred in the new one. Okay. Uh, the Where they set it, instead of on the streets, they set it in, actually, in the... 
police station. Yeah, in the police station. And I thought they that was a really clever way that they did that. Okay. I didn't... The, the America one was, I thought, much better in the original. Okay. Well, we could do the comparison, but first let's... Uh, give this 1961 winner its uh-huh. due. Yeah, I've seen it several times. I just, I love West Side Story. It's yeah. just, it's, it's great. I mean, you have the story structure by William Shakespeare and the yeah. music by Leonard Bernstein, the lyrics by Stephen Sondheim, and the choreography by Jerome Robbins. It's like, I would, I'd watch the Teletubbies do West Side Story. <laughs> you know, I mean, I just don't. The just the source material is so strong. Yeah, I really, I, I kind of love every song. Every the the one song that I could kind of do without is the one hand one heart, which is the yeah right. just the one that they sing uh, in right. their kind of makeshift wedding. Yeah, scene. Not a bad song, but I just I think all the others are are real bangers. Yeah, um, uh, I agree. <laughs> there. So fun. Yeah, but I think what elevates it for me is the character of Anita, who's mm-hmm. just she's kind of the heart and soul of the movie. Yeah, she really for is for me. She's, Even though it, she's the supporting actress, she's a supporting yeah, it's a supporting role. I think this is probably the its strongest improvement actually over Romeo and Juliet in that. Yeah. Her counterpoint in Romeo and Juliet is the nurse, who's okay. just kind of, uh, I don't know how familiar you are with Romeo and Juliet, but uh, just Juliet's nurse, who kind of reluct- reluctantly at first, but helps them out. Uh, and Anita has that role, but she's much more reluctant, and she has this really fascinating character arc that's almost in... Um, opposition to the movie's central theme in that her character arc is a person who learns to hate. Yeah. Which is the opposite of the movie's message, Mm -hmm. which is about getting over the hate. And I just think that it works so well that um, that friction between her story and the theme as a whole, it's really kind of heartbreaking to to see this joy and enthusiasm she has for being in America and being an immigrant, the pride she has just gets torn from her. Yeah. And whereas in Romeo and Juliet it reaches its tragic climax because a a letter doesn't get somewhere in time. Mm -hmm. Here Anita has real agency over that moment yeah. that she does uh, tell a lie and we really understand why she does it. Yeah. And uh, she just really owns that moment. She's, yeah. she's really terrific. Yeah. It's, it's a great role, uh, but I mean, I think Rita Moreno just... The role itself is is fantastic. This is not to maybe spoil the ending of this podcast a little bit, but this is one of the few characters that two different people won Oscars for playing. 
Um, oh, okay. That. But but it's happened before, like with Don Corleone. It's just so the, different. In the twenty twenty one. Yeah, she they won. both they okay. both win, and I'm not. Uh, there's a couple times that's kind of happened before, like with the Joker, with the Godfather. Mm-hmm. But in those cases, they're just very different movies. Whereas here, you're kind of hitting the same beats, but yeah. kind of finding a kind of a different center to the character, and yeah. and that's really rewarding. Yeah, she yeah. is the she's she's a much more interesting character than Maria, the lead. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well. Yeah. Definitely. Now, did, intentionally. Did so. Rita Moreno play this on Broadway? That's a good question. I don't believe she did. Because I uh, what I know about Rita Moreno is she's one who has an Oscar, a Tony, and an Emmy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grammy. Uh, yeah, oh, e- Grammy too. E- got the, oh, e- she got Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, okay. Tony. So what's her Tony for? Oh, that's a good question. I was just wondering if it was yeah. for this one. Maybe I'll look it up. Well, no, I think they're for different. Uh, uh, the Ritz in 1975, a Terrence McNally play. Okay. And then got the Emmy for the Muppet Show. I guess oh. guess star of the Muppet Show. Uh, so yeah, that's maybe where uh, I got to know her first. Um, but I'm going to highlight her second to last scene in the movie, in the apartment with Maria. She from the beginning of this scene where she comes in just distraught, in mourning for her. Uh, uh, she was in love with Bernardo, and especially that. Day she had been looking forward to yeah. her date with Bernardo. Yeah. And in this scene, she just has this, runs this gamut of emotions from distraught grief to kind of confusion when the door is locked yeah. to suspicion to anger mm-hmm. to just kind of uh, heartbreak and frustration and she just sells every change in emotion. You just, it's its remarkable how yeah. she carries out this scene. And then when Lieutenant Trek, Trank comes in, she just puts on her game face. Yeah. And you see her just kind of you know, know that she can't express it to this officer. Right. Who, um, I think it's one thing we see throughout the movie is that the officer, neither side likes the officers, but they're clearly on the Jets' side. Right, yes. Um, the yeah, 1961, that's one... I mean, the 2021 movie spells it out. Yeah. Any of the undertones that you could have picked up in the mm-hmm. earlier movie, they just like like narrate it. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's, it's definitely... Um, it's definitely a theme, and uh, it's, yeah. But there are definitely undertones in this 1961 version, which I think is ultimately on the shark's side, or on the side of the Puerto Rican characters, has sympathy with them, uh, maybe less right. explicitly than the 2021 version. Um but I think for the what 
criticism the movie gets, although it, it is very highly regarded, is for the fact that you do have white actors in face darkening makeup putting on accents. That doesn't age particularly well. Yeah, Maria, uh, that was a bad accent. Yeah, Maria. Uh, and um, George Shakiris plays the part really well. I think he's Greek. Who plays he's... Bernardo. Oh, okay. Uh, I think he does do a very good job with the accent. They yeah. do darken his face, though, with the makeup, which is okay. very controversial. Um, uh, but aside from that, I think you, you do... You do get the sense that the the Jets are really just very immature punks, and the sharks are fighting for a place in the world. Yeah, you know, uh, it's the stakes are much higher for them. Yeah, yeah, and they wait that the yeah the Jets are the immature punks. Yes. Right? Yeah. It's interesting in the new movie they had that scene between the love interest Tony and Maria. They mm-hmm. played that love story a little differently. Yeah. They certainly make Maria they make her a kind of better character in this. So she's less uh, right. Imp- impulsive. She more, right. Yeah, she's a little bit you know, more She has a lot more spunk. She has a lot more spunk. She's not like infatuated completely right away you know yeah. they try to change some of the edges on that but they have that scene with in the new movie with them in the subway mm-hmm. on the subway train and they're talking about or subway car or whatever they talking about who has it worse and she was yeah. like bernardo obviously has it worse because he's fighting racism as a right. immigrant and uh you know all that and and then he brings up the no, he thinks that Riff, you know, has it worse. And they, I mean, you see all this in the nineteen sixty one movie, but you uh-huh. ascertain it. That's where they just lay it all out. But it was so interesting because he was like, "Look, you, the Puerto Rican side, Bernardo has a family. You guys have a social yeah. network, and and Riff has none of that." Right. right, and it it was an interesting. It is an interesting social commentary between these, exactly like you yeah. said, these groups. Um, you know the the sort of white trash as we're talking about. Uh, the again the twenty twenty one movie Officer Krupp or somebody mm-hmm. like very clearly states like, hey, your ancestors came over, and most of them were successful. But you're the, <laughs> you're the descendants of the people who went to jail, you know, right. got knocked up early, got you know, had were divorced, and you know that's, you know, but all your sort of people moved on, and then you get the sense that for the Puerto Ricans that are moving here, they keep that in a couple of generations, they're going to be living in the suburbs. Yeah, you know, ones. it's interesting. The two songs that you brought up are America and G. Officer Krupke. Yeah, And I think each of those songs really spell out those themes. Uh, yeah. Each of them. The immigrant yes, right. story with America. Right. Um, through, through Stephen Sondheim's wonderful lyrics. Um, yeah. In both songs. Very pointed. Particularly for... Yeah. 
life can be bright in America if you're a white in America. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. Uh, really kind of puts that on the line. Uh, such a great song that dancing they do on the rooftop is just it's it's extraordinary yeah Uh, but also g officer krupke i mean you get this you know where to store you know how yeah these are i mean i think that's kind of the best moment for the jets because you see them kind of very playful and kind of the creative side where they're very clever very witty um but it's just about uh Fundamentally, the song is about how society doesn't know what to do with them. Right. Right. They're just kind of uh, passed from one institution to another. They're, you know, depraved on account of deprived. Right. Uh, right. So many great lines were psychologically disturbed. Yes. Uh, it's just great. I'm, I'm, um, yeah, I. those are... I have a lot of trouble ranking these songs, but those are uh, two of my favorites. I also, I love the Tonight Quintet um, leading up to the Rumble. Yeah. Uh, where you just have these very five different perspectives kind of coming together. And, uh, uh, you know, I love how Robert Wise handles it here with just kind of giving each section its due and then kind of... Uh, ratcheting up the momentum with his editing, you know, coming from these kind of static shots to then everybody, each of them coming out to when it's by the end, it's very rapid, rapid cuts from one to the other. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of the the editing itself or the filmmaking kind of reaches a crescendo as the song does. It's really immaculately done. And uh, I mean, Spielberg does a very good job with it as well. Yeah, I didn't get to that point. Okay, uh, yeah, that's he, he does a good job with it. I, I, I kind of prefer this, that number in this nineteen sixty one version. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the criticism, one of the other criticisms that this movie gets is with Natalie Wood and Richard Bamer as the leads. They get they get kind of made fun of a lot for just not being uh, there. You know, it is kind of. Jarring, we hear about Tony before we meet him. Like he's got, he's got a rep that's bigger than the whole West Side. And uh, this guy, we gotta have him at our war council because this is, this is the toughest, toughest guy you're ever gonna want to meet. <laughs> and I don't think Richard Baber really sells that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's. I mean, we get that Tony change, but it's just yeah. you never, you can never buy that he was ever this. Tough guy. I think you see it more in the newer one. In the newer one, yeah, because they have him just out of jail, and yeah, right. yeah, and you can see that he's a bad guy that has changed. But I kind of like their woodenness, no pun intended. Uh-huh. Um, I think that really works well for this movie because Tony and Maria are kind of like these these porcelain dolls uh-huh. at the center of all this anger yeah. and rage. And they just, they and seem realism. so, yeah, exactly. They, they just seem so fragile. It's, there's something so delicate about them. And, uh-huh. and uh, that scene 
where they're like kind of like playing with dolls, you know, with the mannequins and having their wedding. It's, you know, they're they're idiots. They're very naive. They don't know what they're getting into. But there's something that's really sweet about Uh just their their naivete, Uh and I think that really works works well for um, for the movie and kind of accentuates the the hate that surrounds them. I the other social commentary part that Adam and I were discussing is during that uh, America song. Mm-hmm. So they have the women versus the men. Right. right. The women are giving the optimistic view of America. Yes. And the men are like you know, where and Feed away tables and shine shoes. Right. And we were we were just discussing if that's also reflective of the difference between being a female immigrant and a male immigrant. You know, some of their, you know, do they look at the bright side because they, the women kept referring back to what life was like in Puerto Rico, right? So as the, you know, they have, here they have washing machines. So even as immigrants, they're still poor, but they're, their poverty in America is better than their poverty in, mm-hmm. in there. Whereas the men really face the brunt of the, at, at least as as they're talking about it, and, and maybe that's true, you know, the men trying to make it into society is they're doing it through jobs and such. Yeah. And that's where they're... Exactly. That's where they're really meeting most of the... Mm-hmm the racism is through that. So maybe yeah, the, those young men did feel it more than the Yeah, they also came over first. And yes, I mean, we, right. we get that here, where right. Maria has actually very recently come over. Right. Bernardo had come to kind of uh, make, right. a, make a home for Maria and uh, I guess her parents, who we never meet, but they're there too. Um, Although so, I, I don't, are they even in the new version? We don't meet the parents. Uh-huh. Uh, no, in the twenty twenty one version, I don't know that they've even come over yet. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, because uh, the twenty twenty one version, um, Anita's living, living there, right? right. Yeah. Um, they each pay rent or whatever. They talk about right. that. It's mm-hmm. it's Bernardo, Anita, and and Maria, Maria living together. Yeah, so I, I don't remember specifically, but um, yeah, here definitely the she does reference the fact that her her parents are there. Yeah, and maybe it's also reflective of nineteen sixty one, where mm-hmm. it's you know how does a a woman move up? Most often is she marries a man who's moving up, whereas the man has to actually move up. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that what you're yeah, but 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 it, it's also I think that would contribute to the divide because part of their experience of Puerto Rico would be having to live there after their um, young men have left. Yes. So their experience yeah. might actually be they would probably have to struggle more than. Right. 
Nardo had before he left. Exactly. Yeah. And that's like a they're not coming to America until they have uh, a nest right. set up. Yeah. So yeah, I think that would contribute to it too. Yeah, but it it is. Um, I hadn't thought about her character arc until you mentioned that Anita's character arc. But yeah, she she just yeah. does learn to hate because they are so terrible to her. Oh yeah, and and getting to her final scene, which is uh, really the Anita's tragedy, where it's I think it's um, told through dance, but I think it's uh, we're meant to see it as a rape scene, yeah, right. or at least an attempted rape scene. Right. Uh, really bad, bad jets. Yeah, bad jets. Bad jets. And um, but she, just, just her, yeah. just the way that. One thing I like about how the movie is set up through the. Um, it's set up with a kind of a balladic um, dance introduction where we meet the jets and the sharks, and one of the um, dynamics that is set up there is the fact that it's kind of a numbers game. We have all these kind of dance sequences where there's uh, three jets chasing a shark, but mm -hmm. then they get to five sharks, and, mm -hmm. and so then the kind of the uh, balance of power shifts based on the numbers because you're kind of all about your, your gang and having the support behind you. And so just when we get to that um, ending... And you just see the fear on Anita's face when she walks in. She's expecting to find Doc, but instead she's surrounded by, uh, I think there were 11 guys mm -hmm. in there. And just the kind of terror that yeah. registers on her face and the fact that she can't even get a word out without yeah. them just kind of mocking her and kind of surrounding her and... And then, you know, you get the uh, attack scene, right. which uh, the music kind of brings back the, the theme from America. Yeah. Uh, in that scene. And just her, her, just her rage and her humiliation afterwards. And yeah. Just the way she kind of delivers that. You tell your... Buddy boy. Yeah. I just, I love the way she yeah. does that. It's, it's just great. I think she's, this is really one of my favorite performances. Oh, here. Yeah. I mean, there's a real technical precision to Meryl Streep. Um, yeah. But I think she's an MVP here more yeah. so than um, Kramer versus Kramer. Yeah. Yeah. No, and she's just she great. really makes this really uh, classic, and you know, amazing Rita Moreno. She's sixty years later. Yes, she's in the film again. Yeah. Oh my gosh, she yeah. she uh, plays Doc, yeah. or the Doc character. Yeah. yeah. Such a, a sixty years later. Yeah. That's she's remarkable. She's remarkable. Yeah. Yeah, she was also in the movie Eighty for Brady this year. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I've I saw her in Jane the Virgin, as the. Okay, she's great. Yeah, 
You know, you haven't watched that, right? No. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's fun. You should watch it. Anyway, she's um. I really like Rita Moreno, but how old was she here? I mean, she must have been she in young. her twenties. Yeah. Here, I think early twenties. She's very young. Yeah. Oh, anyway, I can't say enough good things about her. And then this is another one where it is very much like a a Broadway show just put on screen. It plays very much as a Broadway show. Right. Well, yeah, it does. I think that it does make some smart choices. I think one of the things I was a little critical about with My Fair Lady. A that little just, critical about. Yeah, I mean, it just kind of... Excoriated it. It's just, I didn't excoriate <laughs> it. I, I generally like it, but... Yeah. It just kind of plops the Broadway version on the screen uh-huh. without much thought to how to make a good movie. And I think here, you know, in the stage play, it's it's faithful, but there are some changes that it makes. What The most significant is that it swaps... Cool and G Officer Krupke. So okay. in the play, they sit, Cool comes when they're where Officer Krupke is there when they're they're waiting for the War Council meeting, uh-huh. and they're trying to keep their cool. And then G Officer Krupke comes in the second act when they're trying to hide from the cops. Um, but the act break is in is with the Rumble, so. One of the things structurally that's different on a stage play from a movie is that in the theater, the intermission is where everyone kind of goes into the lobby and they talk about it and then they decide whether it's a good show or not. So it tends to be a little top-heavy and ends with a climax. And so then the second half... Just you're kind of people get back in their seats and you're just kind of reacclimating yourself to the story. So in that sense, it works to kind of have uh, an upbeat song like Officer Krupke to just kind of you're getting back into it. And the act two on stage actually opens with "I Feel Pretty." Okay. Um, and so that works on stage, but it doesn't. For a movie that you're watching continuously, you don't want to go from this action-packed rumble scene to these very upbeat songs. It's just kind of jarring. And, like, I, I did feel in My Fair Lady that there is kind of a dead space there in the in the middle that's doesn't work as a movie um, oh. for me. But I like the decision to kind of... Uh, Swap out the two because it's and and kind of move the rumble later to like the two thirds mark so that that's kind of um, precipitates the climax. Mm-hmm. You have this intense scene and then it just kind of marches towards its conclusion from there. Move I Feel Pretty before the rumble. It's a good second act opener, but it's not something you want to see right after that scene in, in the movie. Um, so I think just the the pacing works so well. I like having cool there because it just has this kind of um, smooth, jazzy, rhythmic beat that kind of matches the the tone of that. I mean, you don't 
story structure-wise, you don't really need a long scene with the Jets at that point in the movie, but it's it's a great song, so you have to have it in. But I think it uh, the the musically it it really works at this kind of late third act. You should be teaching so, this in college. Um, I'd probably make more money doing what I'm doing now. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that'd be fun. I don't like to... No. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that there's a lot... Uh, I, I think that unlike My Fair Lady or, or, or different from My Fair Lady, I think that it does this movie is much more thoughtful about what works on screen mm-hmm. and what doesn't. Yeah. Uh, they're both great. They both have great source material. I think mm-hmm. this one does treat its source material better. In my opinion, but... You well, know, that's... that's a very substantive response. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm glad to be substantive for once. <laughs> um, yeah, one of the things I do actually like better about this one than Spielberg's version, although there's a lot that I do like about the new version, because uh, that one actually has both Cool and Officer Krupke in the first act. Okay. And I think that the, there's almost, it feels kind of, um, to me, I, I, I felt that way when I saw it in the theaters and then when I rewatched it, it just feels kind of, bottlenecked at that point where, you know, between the dance at the gym and the rumble, you have, uh, you know, kind of, kind of shoehorning in all of these classic songs. You have Maria, Tonight, um, G. Officer Krupke, Cool, America, uh, the quintet, all kind of jammed in there. And the kind of choice to, break them out and have a different set piece for each, I think kind of feels cluttered. You know, I think in a vacuum, it's kind of a, a neat idea to have cool out on the docks with this, um, you know, they're on this kind of pier with all these holes in the, in the boards, but it just kind of looks like a set and we're not, I, I, I like in the 61 version how we have these very limited number of locations and we kind of get the sense of the neighborhood where, mm-hmm. you know, the the jumping back and forth between the police station and then a museum out somewhere in Harlem or wherever they go and, and then back to the docks and all these new locations. To me, it just felt kind of cluttered, even though each sequence, I think, is well done. And well directed. Another I, substantive I like, response. Yeah, I, but I, I just I like how it kind of flows better here, even though, you know, the, it's just one more song. Right. I mean, it okay. just adds cool. Mm-hmm. It's the only one that's yeah. uh, this one kind of moves to a different part. But yeah, well, you're at a much more advanced level than I was watching them. Uh, but they're good. I, yeah. I love West Side Story. Yeah. West Side Story's good. Yeah. People should see it. Yeah. Well, anything else on West Side Story? Uh, no. That was fun. Okay. Um, did you get a limerick from ChatGPT? Yes, GPT? I did. Let's see. 
Okay. Uh, in 61, A Tale of Pure Glory, West Side Story, that classic story, Jets and Sharks in a Dance, a love that had no chance. In this film, their fates were quite gory. Oh, well, that's a layup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it doesn't even have Yeah, I don't think it had its coffee yet. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so here's yours. Maria and Tony were smitten, but sadly their love was forbidden. A tragic romance told through music and dance from a William from a play William Shakespeare had written. Oh, that's so fun. <laughs> yes. uh, I like the smitten and written. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Maria and Tony were smitten, but sadly their love was forbidden. A tragic romance told through music and dance from a play William Shakespeare had written. Very good. Yeah, you win. Yes. So... Well, let's do our Name That Tune okay. with the best song winner from 1961. Okay. Uh, wouldn't be from West Side Story because they were all written for the play. Okay. So they wouldn't be eligible. But I think you might get this one oh. from a movie that we whoa, whoa, did whoa. talk about a little bit. Okay. Not to give you pressure. So can you name this tune? Uh, than a river. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what movie it's from. Can you talk to me? It's an actress who was dubbed in another movie. Yeah. It's Audrey Hepburn. Oh, that's movie? her singing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. That's from Breakfast at Tiffany's? Yeah. Oh, Oh, yeah. So that was the other thing I talked to you about that this week, is that while watching this movie, I was like, while Maria was singing, I was like, that is Eliza Doolittle. (laughs) Yes. Like, even though, yeah, I was like, this is Eliza Doolittle singing, Mm -hmm. and looked it up, and it was, they were dubbed, and it was the same voice. Who's yeah, Marnie Marnie Nixon. Marnie Nixon, yeah. yes. Who had a small role in The Sound of Music. Was oh. one of the nuns, yeah. Okay, that's right. You said that. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, good. Yes, she did the dubbing in West Side Story. Um, the King and I Tale. Okay. She did Deborah Carr singing The King and I. Okay. And, the, uh, and My Fair Lady. Uh, so, West Side Story only got 11 nominations. That's a lot. <laughs> yes, that is a lot. Uh, uh, two acting nominations. Can you guess who? Well, we know Rita Moreno. Yes. Who was the other one? I don't know. Maria? No. Uh, it was uh, George Shakiris. Bernardo? Bernardo, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's good. They actually both won. Oh, okay. Yeah. He won for Best, best suppo- Actor? Best or? Supporting Actor. Did, is yeah, there a Best Actor? Oh, Tony is considered the actor? But yeah, the, he wasn't he nominated. Was not. No, oh. poor Richard Bamer was not nominated. <laughs> uh, but it won 10 of its 11. Okay, wow. The only thing it lost was its screenplay. Who 
as any else? Yeah. One well, that we, many? Yeah. Uh, well, the record is 11. So it's one one off of that. But we uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about The Return of the King went 11 for 11. We got 11 oh, nominations in one wow. album. Ben-Hur also won 11, okay. which we talked about. And Titanic, which we talked about, also got 11. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so this did uh, quite well. Uh, yeah, it's hard to yeah. argue with the, the um, Robert Wise and Jerome Robbins is the first directing team to be not, to win. How do you have two bosses? Uh, well, in this case, uh, Jerome Robbins won, uh, uh, essentially directed the musical scenes. He's a choreographer. Uh, this is the only movie where he's actually credited as director, so he... Okay. If you look at his uh, IMDb credits, he directed one movie and won an Oscar for it. Oh. Um, yeah, wow, Robert, Wise, Robert Wise, who's also the director of The Sound of Music, um, is the really kind of directed, kind of the main director. Um, but they're the first team to win that, had, hap- that did, wouldn't happen again until 2007. Um, and then it just happened last year with... Uh, the Daniels directing oh, yeah. everything every they were all at once. Yeah, yeah. Um, so oh, yeah. yeah. Also, we had talked about this before, how um, Maria or Natalie Wood, um, her voice was dubbed in all her singing. Yeah. Things. Rita Moreno was only dubbed for one song. Oh, yeah, because I had mentioned right. that she was dubbed too, and I, I looked at it. Yeah. Which song? A Boy Like That. Which song is oh, that? That's the one in that scene I talked about where she has that gamut of emotions. A Boy oh, Like That, yeah, I Have yeah, a Love, yeah. yeah. Oh, a Boy okay. Like That with Kill Your Brother. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is great. Uh, I, yeah, I, I'm not sure, but yeah, so. Uh, Betty Wand was the singer for that. Okay. Yeah, so Marina Moreno gets to sing America, and right, really, yeah, that's what you want to yeah. And tonight, and yeah, yeah. so. Uh, but she is a singer, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's where I was oh, that's surprised right. where I Grammy. saw that. She, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, they won the supporting awards. Uh-huh. Um, they sure did. Yes. Maximilian Schell won Best Actor for Judgment at Nuremberg. And okay. uh, Sophia Loren won for Two Women, Best Actress. Yeah, so we are we're into the top 20. Can you believe that? I can't believe that. Yeah, so we have we have two left from the 30s. Happen One Night, Gone With the Wind. Mm-hmm. Casablanca and Best Years of Our Lives from the 40s. 40s. All About Eve on the Waterfront and... The Bridge on the River Kwai from the 50s. Uh-huh. The Apartment and Lawrence of Arabia from the 60s. Uh-huh. Uh, the Godfather, The Godfather Part 2, One from Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and Annie Hall from the 70s. Amadeus is still out there from the 80s. I think that's what it's going to be. Silence of the Lambs, Unforgiven, and Schindler's List, still three from the 90s. Wow. Then No Country for Old Men is holding its own for the 2000s. And then um, two movies from the last 10 years, Moonlight and Parasite. Oh. Still there. So for the top 20, what are, you, what are you looking forward to most? 
What? Which one do I most want to watch? Yeah. Well, I, of course, love Casablanca. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of them that I'm looking forward to watching again. All About Eve. Yeah. Uh, I saw On the Waterfront not too long ago. So I like that one, but I think I'd rather watch Casablanca. I've been looking forward to watching Schindler's List. I've never seen it. Okay. I'm dreading The Silence of the Lamb because it seems, sc- it. It seems scary. Well, we'll see. I think I might think too hard about No Country for Old Men, so probably not that one. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know. So yeah. it happened um, one night. Who is, oh, yeah. is Cary Grant in that one? No, Clark Gable. Oh, Clark Gable? Yeah, you've seen it. I don't know. I, what am I most looking forward to? I'd love to see yeah. Amadeus again. Okay. Yeah, that's probably coming up soon, I think. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching Gone with the Wind again since I've, since I've seen it a few times, but I've, I haven't seen it since reading the book and then kind of, um, you know, learning a lot more about the... Um, Lost Cause mythology and right. that's its place in American culture. So I'm really looking forward to reassessing it and looking okay. at it again. And I'm excited. I'm really looking forward to podcasting on the best years of our lives and getting your reaction to that. Oh, goodness. When it comes up. Um, but your picks for what comes next are... We want to read those out. Yeah. Uh... No Country for Old Men, Amadeus, Parasite, Moonlight, and The Best Years of Our Lives. Yeah. And I have Amadeus, The Sounds of the Lambs. No, I have Unforgiven. Did I say Amadeus? Yeah, that's mine. No. Yeah, I don't have Amadeus. I have Unforgiven. You really think it's going to be Amadeus? Uh, Yeah, or, or Unforgiven. Yeah, uh, the Silence of the Lambs, the Bridge on the River, Quiet, and Annie Hall. I and you got to pick think, one. But I, I guess it happened one night. Wow. Ten picks, so like something's in the top ten or, or just outside of it. Yeah. Uh, so I'll go with it happened one night, but it's not going to be that. Okay. All right, so. Ready to see what's in the top 20. Let's see. The worst of the very the best. worst of the very best, yes. That's mine. Yeah, no No country country for old men. Okay. Wow, yeah, I had it. I think I picked it at 16, right? When we did our Lord of the Rings podcast. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we'll be back next week with No Country for Old Men. Awesome. Coming in at number 20. So I can watch that. Yes, you can. (laughs) 